One of the newest professions is the consultants, and I don't mean the medical consultants. Management consultants have really only been around since the end of World War II, and within their discipline, those who specialise in ESG are even more new on the scene. Giles Gibbons of Good Business almost invented ESG consultancy, but he says he's not a member of a profession, and indeed the professions are going to have to step up if they're going to help save the world. Would you describe yourself as a professional and therefore put yourself in the same pigeonhole as a lawyer and an accountant or a doctor? Well, I think that good business is very professional, but I don't think we are in a profession. I think that professions act in a very specific way where you want those professions to deliver a very similar service, partly because society needs that or because you as, a, as an individual or as a company need it. You want to know that the doctor that you're using is well-trained. You want to know that the accountant that you are working with is going to provide you know, the sort of correct services in order that you meet the regulations that are set out very clearly in, in the statute books. That's not what people come to us for. In a sense, I wouldn't want to be restricted by a way of doing things or by what I should do. I think people come to us because they value our experience and our creativity and our understanding of how the world works in order to give them a solution that is going to put them in a better position than their competitors. Whereas I think the professions are about not putting you in a better position. They're about putting you on an equal footing in order that you can go about your business. Now, I think it's interesting, isn't it? If you look back, say, 100 years, it was pretty clear that if you were a professional, you worked broadly in the public interest. But I think what's interesting with what you do is there can be no argument that if you work successfully in your business, then you are doing something that's in the public interest. Indeed, it was it was that that motivated you in the first place to found a business like Good Business. I would totally agree that you don't need to be in a profession to want to have a public interest in a sense. I think the kind of, I suppose, the idea that we had back in 1994 was that there was no conflict between public interest and private interest. In fact, they complemented each other, if done in a strategically correct way, as in you pick the right issues and manage them in the right way and told people about it in order that they would like you more as a result of what you've done. There is a complementary basis to public good to deliver private benefit. So I don't sit here saying that I am just interested in private benefit. I'm, I, I believe that I can achieve both. And actually, by doing both at the same time, you create a bigger impact for society and for the company or individuals in question. Do you think there's been a revision of the way in which as we in the public value experts and expertise and professionals in the last couple of years, certainly since the advent of COVID? Because we were all familiar with that expression that Michael Gove is supposed to have said, I think we've all had enough of experts. And within that was embodied a sort of a, you know, a rebellion against the wise guys, the smart Alex. And it was a sort of a populist thing that, that the kind of masses instinctively know best. But I wonder if you think there's been a revision of that during COVID, because certainly we hear 
last week with Ipsos Mori doing their sort of annual review of trust levels in the professions that doctors and scientists have gone through the stratosphere, whereas journalists like me, as usual, are right at the bottom. I think it has been a sort of crazy time for people with experience and with an expertise, let's call it, rather than just experience, and not wholly related to what they do. As you say, I think there have been some macro challenges to people's overall generic view about people with expertise. So I think the Brexit one was a kind of the elitist community that sort of runs the European Commission that is at Davos and runs every business and the sort of management consultants that sort of pronounce on what's right and what's wrong and that they are somehow to blame for the the situation that we've got into and therefore the sort of uprising of the populist movement. You know, to a certain degree, that is the outcome of what globalization has delivered. It's easy to pinpoint and blame those people rather than actually go, well, the fact that I'm able to buy all these amazing products, have all these services and be able to afford them actually comes from globalization. But it's easier to point a finger and say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. So I think that obviously that was a bad period. COVID has obviously changed that, but I think particularly from a sort of science perspective. The truth is, is that management consultants in that whole period haven't gone away. They're still paid more money by companies to advise them than any other single group. They're still the the sort of the consultancy in the boardroom advising CEOs and boards. They just went a bit quieter in truth. So I, I don't think that the public discourse, which you may read in Ipsos Mori and you may feel as a journalist, has had a single impact on the management consultancy sector. What role do you think that those conventional professionals have got in countering climate change and encouraging sustainable corporate behaviour? Because one of the worrying things that we know about, and we've talked about it a lot, is that when ESG simply becomes part of a marketing mix, and the risk is always that we drown in a sea of greenwash, isn't it? That nothing ever gets done, you know. So our job as as an organisation was about persuading organisations to think differently about what and how they did and why they did it. Once your accountants get involved, we, we need the organisation to say, look, we understand that in the management of this business, we also need to be looking at the environmental impacts that, that come as a consequence of running this business and manage those to ensure that we're not using up too much of the planet's resources or not costing in the impact that we're having on society as a consequence of what we're doing. And the only way that's going to work is if that is incredibly clearly measured in the same way that we measure financial accounting in order that they can then use those figures to then focus on reducing the impacts that they're having through the business process and then reporting on the outcomes of that. That is how you get rid of greenwash. Once, once an organization culturally understands how important it is to manage all of their impacts, financial and non-financial, the more it is integrated into the professions, the better in terms of ensuring that it isn't some green initiative that's going to come and go with the next CEO. 
I wonder in a funny sort of way if it has become almost like the corporate equivalent of modern medicine, because in medicine these days, I think doctors are encouraged to take a much more holistic look at, at, at the patient and all the kind of environmental things rather than simply treating symptoms. And in a funny sort of way, business has become a bit like that, hasn't it? It is, it's seen much more in the round now than it was when you began with good business in the mid-90s. The people in it are thinking differently and the way in which they're then running those organisations feels different. So of what it is or how I do it, I just need to sell more of it and I'm going to make some money and I will be remunerated well for doing that. That just doesn't work. People want to understand where their products and services come from. They want to be proud of it. They want to feel that they're in a company that not only recognizes the importance of what they do, but takes care of the people around them. They want to feel good in order to then deliver it and in the process, deliver a more successful organization that is able to stand up and be measured by its responsibilities as much as its financial accounting. Now, that all sounds rather sort of soft and lovely, but it really isn't. It's actually incredibly hard-nosed, that, because, you know, people want to work for more values-orientated organizations. You get more out of people when they feel good about what the product is and the care and attention they're going to ensure that that isn't impacting on the world in a negative way, both social and environmentally. So all of those things drive a far more successful business if you are not having to ask people to sort of put aside their morals or put aside what they might actually feel about the organization they're working for and just get on with the job in hand. And I think that makes us better, more rounded people. And it is true, isn't it? I mean, I mean, one spoken in recent years to, you know, magic circle lawyers and investment bankers, and when they're interviewing a graduate intake, they want to be part of organisations that they feel aren't despoiling the planet and doing bad stuff. Absolutely. 20 years ago, the answer would have been, you know, well, well, we, we've got a really good charity policy and we give you three days volunteering a year, and we try and raise money at our Christmas party. That just doesn't wash anymore. It's like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, are we prepared to turn away clients because we fundamentally disagree with their approach to society, both environmentally and socially? Are we prepared to do things as an organization that may hurt in the short run to help in the long run? These things are pretty clear for people to see. If you've got a tar sands company and you're a, a legal firm and you're defending that, then people will know about it internally and specifically. These are things that can't be sort of brushed under the carpet. When we set up Good Business, uh, we wrote a book, Good Business, Your World Needs You. And in it, we had a, a quote from Dave Packard, who was the founder of of Hewlett-Packard. For us, it was an incredibly important quote. He, he said, in the end, a, a company is simply a group of individuals who can achieve more together than they can apart. And we must not forget that. That is what we are trying to do as a group of individuals. And therefore, it is so important that that group of individuals has an agreed set of values about the world that they're trying to create, not just making money.
And that's particularly true among professional services firms because they're supposed to have got this partnership ethic, this sort of collegiate approach that is supposed to kind of glue them together as well. So they need to have that sort of unity of purpose, don't they? They do. But funnily enough, I have spent a lot of time talking to lots of different sectors. And I would say that the professional services sectors are the least forward thinking in making a decision about what their clients do and the role and responsibility they have in either deciding to take that client on or trying to change their approach. You know, they go, oh, oh hang on a sec, hang on, hang on a sec. You know, we will be as responsible as, as we want to as an organization, but we can't tell our client, we can't influence our client to change their behavior. And I think that that is going to come round and bite them on the bum, if I'm honest, because there's a, a, a campaign, for example, in the advertising sector has been launched in the last couple of months. Uh, this is in the UK, where it has proved that 90% of the top 100 advertising agencies have got a fossil fuel client. Now, you may or may not agree whether it is good or bad to have a fossil fuel client, but the fact that they are all being named and shamed and saying, you know, if you have all these net zero commitments and if your staff care a lot about the way in which you're behaving and yet you are still trying to sell more of the black stuff to more people, then how does that fit? And so I do think that we're going to have a sort of a moment where professional services businesses will have to report on what their clients are doing and will have to make a decision about whether they're prepared to be associated with the impacts that they're having or not. And that's coming down the line. And, and I think in the same way that Phil Knight in the 90s, who was the CEO of Nike, you know, famously said to a journalist, there's no child labor in any of my factories in China because I don't own a factory in China. The fact was that he said he didn't own it, but he was contracting a factory that did have child labor. And now he absolutely, as an organization, recognizes that they need to take responsibility for those organizations that they're contracting. Similarly, I think we will get to a point where professional services, professions, will need to be very clear about who they will and will not spend time with and who they're helping to be more successful. 